Welcome to your best riding life. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, you'll receive tips and strategies from experts in the riding and publishing industry to help boost your best riding life. Let's get started. Today's topic will empower anyone who's considering writing children's books. I tell you, our industry expert is going to bring so much to you that if you hadn't thought of writing children's books, you may think about doing that now. I'm, I'm excited to introduce to you Michelle S. Lazuric. And Michelle is a multi-genre award-winning author, speaker, pastor's wife, and mother. She is a regular contributor for iBelieve.com and Crosswalk.com. And she's a movie reviewer for Movie Guide magazine. She's also a literary agent for WordWise Media Services. When not working, she enjoys sipping a Starbucks latte, collecting 80s memorabilia, and spending time with her family and her crazy dog, Cookie. All right, Michelle, it is great to have you here on Your Best Writing Life. Hi, Linda. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one of the favorite parts of the at least the beginning of your best writing life is finding out a little bit more about the life of our expert guest. So, Michelle, what we're going to do is we're going to take just a moment and we're going to look at the inside life of you. We're going to look at your inside life. We're going to find out something from you that maybe not everyone knows. And I'm going to let you kind of take it away and let us know something about you that maybe isn't always on your bio. Go for it. Uh, well, I, I guess I have two things to share. The first is, even though I've had a lot of success writing children's books, and God's really blessed me in that area, the great irony of it is that I never I never had any desire to write children's books. I just never thought that was going to be my ride in life. I just um, always had a heart for nonfiction, for writing for women, particularly Bible studies and uh, teaching in that way. And when I first started with writing, I wrote my first children's book was for my daughter, Leah. And uh, when she was four years old, she used to parade around and uh, ask my husband, Daddy, am I beautiful? And she'd, she'd put on these uh, really, you know, the, the old costume jewelry and the princess dress that she used to parade around. And I remember thinking that that really is the, the cry of every woman's heart is to hear their father say they're beautiful. And I remember in that moment, that's when I felt God calling me to write children's books. And I just never thought that would be my what, what God would have for me in terms of writing. So it's, it's ironic I'm even here talking to you today because I just <laughs> never thought that would ever be my life. So, um, you know, you you never say no to God because you never know what he's going to make you say yes to. And, that's right. um, and yeah, so I, that's probably the first thing. And the second thing is uh, I'm a child of the 80s. And uh, so I love one of my hobbies is I like to collect toys from the 80s, particularly things that I used to have when I was a kid. So I have three curio cabinets full of stuff from when I was a kid in my basement downstairs in the, in the game room that we have. But yeah, I love filling it with little stuff. And it always brings me back to uh, my childhood and, and a simpler time. And yeah, I love doing that. That's one of my hobbies. And I love records too. I'm very into vinyl. So uh, probably have like over 300, 400 records. Whoa. So if you could just tell us about one of the toys that you have from the 80s. Oh, gosh. I would say if I have to pick my favorite, probably I came from a middle class family. 
we weren't poor, but we also didn't have a lot of money to spare uh, for a lot of things. So when the new fads, like I'm sure you remember from the 80s, big fads like uh, Teddy Ruxpin and all those kind of things, well, those things are really expensive. And probably the most expensive one was the Cabbage Patch doll. And we could never afford those. So my mom got like the cheap knockoffs. So I have wound up finding one. It's called like Flower Power or something. And I found it on eBay and I, I bought it for like 40 bucks or something. And I still have it in the original box. Uh, I obviously don't have it from when I was a kid, but that brought me back. That was hard to find, uh, but I was able to find it. You never know what you can find on eBay. But, this uh, is true. but yeah, it was really, yeah. So uh, that was that was neat. And that was a blast in my past because I remember my mom surprised us with those uh, one year. Uh, we were we wanted Cabbage Pie dolls so bad, we could never afford them. And then one day my mom surprised us with these kind of knockoff dolls. And we just loved, my sister and I just loved them. So uh, I went up got it on my own and now I have one in my basement to look at and admire. Oh, that is so good. And I love that God gives us the opportunity to do that. And it sounds like you're kind of a kid at heart. So I could see how he would grow you into an amazing children's book writer. This is, this <laughs> is going to be, this is going to be a good, good day today. We are looking today at writing Christian books for early readers. And Michelle's going to give us some tips, give us some strategies. And she also has a wonderful giveaway that we'll talk about at the very end that you can download, of course, from our show notes. All information about Michelle is going to be in the show notes. We ask that you do take a look at that. Okay. Not right now, but in a few moments when we're finished. So Michelle, let's start with the first question. What role does writing Christian books for children play? I think it plays a couple of, of roles, particularly, I mean, I'm sure we all can agree we're living in some pretty unprecedented times. We're going to look back in this time in history and think to ourselves, I can't believe I lived through a pandemic. <laughs> you know, it seems like so surreal right now, but as we look back, we're going to, you know, we're, this is a special time in our history. And I, I can't see a better time for writing for children, let alone Christian books written for children. Um, because uh, there's so many needs for it now in a time when, when we really need hope and encouragement in a time of, of questioning in a time of uncertainty. You know, we can serve a God that is certain, that never changes, um, and that has all of this in the palm of his hand. So for us, writing Christian books, children's books, communicates the gospel in ways that impact the next generation. You know, this is a way where we can communicate the gospel message in such a way where, you know, I write for children ages four to eight specifically, but being able to communicate the gospel in a way that helps them to understand who God is, his characteristics, who the Holy Spirit is, what the fruits of him are, scripture passages, all those kinds of things are the joy of my life to be able to kind of boil those down in a way that a child could understand them. We're teaching the next generation and we're carrying on the gospel message to the next generation. And those words matter. Words have power. You know, you look at from Genesis to Revelation and, uh, you know, the gospel John says he in the beginning was the word. He defines himself as the word. And the very first action that we see from God in Genesis is speaking life into being. And so for us, our words matter. And for writers, you know, obviously for us, for me, the written word is important, but also speaking the spoken word. But the written word for, for us is so important and it communicates the gospel that will carry that message into the next generation and their generation after that. Um, and I think the second thing is that it, children's books create positive memories for children and promote that love of literacy. And some of my favorite memories are of my son picking up and teaching him how to read. And every night, him picking up a book at seven o'clock when he was getting ready to go to bed and he'd 
uh, you know, pick out a book on the shelf and he just, he'd like drop it in my lap. And it was just his ritual. We never, he never had to ask me. He always knew he'd go up and we read a book together. And I still remember the first book he ever read cover to cover with me. It was one of those step one, step into reading books. It was out of a dog. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday and it's in his, I have a little tote for each of my kids of, of baby things that I have to remember them by. It's, it's the first book he ever read. And I created a reader on, on my lap, you know, one night at a time. And that's what children's books do. They create positive memories for kids and they promote that love of, of learning, that love of reading because of that bond that's created between parent and child. And the third thing is the picture books written today have the potential to become classic books tomorrow. You think about your favorite books as a kid. Um, you know, my favorite books were the Berenstein Bear books, and I loved passing those on to my own kids and the, the moral values that it taught and and just the, the playful nature of, of, you know, mother and father and brother and sister bear and the simplicity of it. But those books have, stood, have withstood the test, test of time. You can easily find a Berenstein Bear book on the shelf of Barnes & Noble and in Amazon and anywhere else that you're buying books. And everyone knows what Berenstein Bears are, and those have withstood the test of time. And our books is that we're writing, if we think about it that way, that could become, you know, a classic book that can be cherished by generations. What we're choosing to write today can really have the impact to make a real difference in our children and our grandchildren and on our children's children. We just have no idea the impact our words, both written and spoken, can have um, on generations that come after us. Absolutely. I liked the visual that you offered us, that you were creating a reader in your lap. Yeah, and yeah. that is so powerful today. Uh, just because it, we live in a time where we're so busy with sports activities and uh, church activities and, and everything else that really vie for our time. I mean, we barely have a time for dinner anymore, a time as a family to sit down and have dinner. So that even that 15 minutes that you can take to sit down and read with a child or with a grandchild, it makes all the difference in the world. It really does create a bond that they will remember probably for the rest of their lives. One of the other things that I've realized with uh, children's books is it can actually grow the spiritual life of the parent. Parents will do so much for their children. They will purchase items for their children. They will sit and read to their children where they may not take time for themselves. And if it is a well-written children's book with the gospel message, we have parents that are being saved because of the time that they're spending reading to their children. So it's a really interesting point. It's a, it's a great tool as well. So I'm so thankful that you do this and that we have those that are listening today that are either in the middle of writing children's books or they're thinking, maybe it's for me. Maybe you might even be changing genre, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. Why don't we go straight to some tips? Maybe there's some tips that you can give a new writer or a writer of children's books before they necessarily pick up the gauntlet of this genre. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, the first thing I always say to people, and this is how I got started, was to write what you know. Um, God doesn't waste pain, and he shapes us through our experiences, both positive and negative. So I always ask people to take it take a moment and recall a memory or an experience that kind of has shaped you, preferably one that you have as a child, and then evoke the senses through that. Make sure that people can see it, smell it, feel it, experience it, touch it, all those things, kind of play the journalist in a sense, and make sure that all those senses are evoked. And start with that. Like I said, the, the first, I think I told you, Linda, that the first book that I ever wrote was my uh 
book for my daughter. And uh, she'd spend hours kind of twist, twirling around in front of my husband with this costume jewelry on saying, um, you know, Daddy, am I beautiful? And kind of realizing the cry of her heart was to hear her father say she's beautiful. And that was something she did when she was four years old. And so I took that one experience from what I was seeing from across the room and I wrote about it. And that's how I started. And that's how the book became to be. Now, the book took a different shape and it's it's based on that scene. It's not fully 100% true to that scene, but um, you know, God took it and shaped it from there. But it started with that one event, that one memory that I could recall. And I wrote about it. And so start with that. Start with what you know. Start with the parts of your inmost being that have shaped you and write about that because that's really where your readers connect with you. Um, you think about TV shows and movies that we love. Um, they could be, you know, action venture or romantic or um, drama, whatever it is. And you think about the deep emotional connection that we have with those characters. You know, some of the best characters are those you love to hate. Like one minute you want to punch them in the face and the next minute you want to just hug them and, and bring them a tissue box. Like, you know, like you have all these, uh, you know, mixed emotions. That's the best kind of story is when you can evoke those senses of someone and create that um, emotional connection, you know, page after page. To start with those things that you know the best. Don't don't try to manufacture something. I mean, certainly, you know, fiction has its place in 100%. You can certainly, there are wonderful creators of that. But it starts with those deep longings, those deep senses and uh, connections. And it's somebody, even times the, the deepest pains and wounds and hurts that people draw from, um, that they write their stories from. So fiction can, can come out of a real emotion or a real memory or a real sensation that you're feeling. The second thing is to kind of establish your felt need. If you don't know who you're writing to or what you're writing about, you're writing to no one. What's the book's purpose? You have to know what you're doing when you're writing. Are you there just to entertain, to provide some humor to someone? Are you there to inform, to give information? What are you there for? And then once you've established your purpose, establish that felt need. What's the problem? What is the concept that you're trying to air out? What, are, what, are, what is the concept that you're trying to flesh out for your reader? And then go with that. What's the problem that you feel children have? Maybe you're writing about cyberbullying, or maybe you're writing about um, the problem of, of sex trafficking in our world, or whatever you're writing about. How does your how does a child feel about it, and how can your book solve it? I have a pastor friend of mine that is near and dear to my heart, and he's written a book about grief, and uh, that's a tough concept. He wants to write it for children ages four to eight, and I've been trying to help him kind of flesh that out in a way that's easy enough where a child can understand it, but hard enough to where they can understand the concept fully. That's a tough sell for ages four to eight, but I, I've been trying to try to help him realize that he needs to write it from the perspective of a four to eight-year-old. So what is the child in the story seeing, feeling, hearing, experiencing? So for example, I wrote a, a helped him write a scene um, about what it's like to see all the people come knock on the door with the casserole dishes or the flowers or the cards. Because you know, with the church, church body comes and, and helps people grieve when they've lost a loved one. In this particular case, he's writing about the loss of a child, actually, so a, a, an older brother from a younger brother's perspective. So we've kind of written about, well, what does it look like? What does the flowers smell like? You know, what does the casserole dish look like with the tinfoil on it in the refrigerator? What does, you know, all those things, why is mommy crying all the time? What, what does a four to eight year old see, feel, hear, and experience? And we also try to help the child to understand that it's not, they didn't do anything bad, that they're not wrong. You know, when they see that the mom and the, you know, mother and father hugging because they're crying because they're sad, it's not because of him, which is what a child might think. Right. It's about the loss of the other sibling. 
So we try to help explain that and flesh that out in such a way where the reader understands that because they see the tears doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. We actually kind of establish that in the book is there's sometimes there's bad tears, like they're all good tears, but in a good way. It's sadness at first, but as time has progressed, then the tears become less and less and that they become good tears that mommy needs to cry those to get those out because it helps her to miss my brother less when she cries, that kind of thing. So establishing that need and understanding what the problem is, in this case, grief, and how are you going to solve it? How are you going to help the child progress through that grief stage? And the third is to do research. What are your favorite children's books? Start there. They're your children's, your favorite children's books for a reason. And we need to understand why that is. What is it that they're writing about? And why is it your favorite? What has withstood the test of time for you? And then to kind of research and do what kind of vocabulary do they use? And what's the age range? Um, children, in a sense, I've always said are the most difficult to write for because you have to communicate an entire message in a, in a very short amount of words and pages. Descriptions have to be short and they have to also be really engaging so that you keep the child in, engaged throughout the whole story. Kids have to use their imagination and any words that are used that kids don't understand are easily going to allow them to lose interest, which we don't want. So we want to make sure that we, we know what's writing and selling well and what are they doing that is working well. And then how do we bring our own style and our own flair and our own sense of style of writing into that? Uh, the fourth thing I would say is that who is your book's competition? It's rare that any book, any concept that you're writing about hasn't been written before. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. So there's always somebody writing something about what you're writing about. You just have to figure out what it is. So finding out and being well-versed on what your children's books, what children's books are out there that already are similar to what you want to write about. Buy them, read them, and figure out what they're doing that works. And then what unique spin can you present about the topic that you're writing about? And then the last thing I would say is just to be multi-layered. And, and I love this one because you think about some of the best crafted stories are ones where both the adult and the child get something out of it. When you think about, you know, I think about the Looney Tunes, those cartoons, you know, and you used to watch them in the 50s, you know, 60s. And, you know, you put them on for the kid and the three or four year old sitting there and they're laughing because, you know, the, oh, look, the, uh, you know, the, the mouse ran in the hole again and the, and the cat ran in and smacked his head on the wall trying to chase the, the mouse. How funny that is. And they're laughing at the slapstick humor part of that. But then you see like in the background when, you know, when the cat's uh, you know, trying to chase the mouse, you might see one of those Acme calendars in the background. And that's for the adult. Now, the child never understands what that is, but the adult understands, you know, what it says or what it means or something like that. So the Looney Tunes especially had these layers to them where, you know, that it was funny to the kid and the kid loved it, but the adult got something out of it too. And the best crafted books and stories are ones where both the adult and the child can have an enriching experience. The child may understand the, the lower concept. So let me give you examples. Let's say you're going to write a book on the earth and, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the Lord telling us to, you know, take care of the earth. Okay. So we're going to write about that. And let's say you use characters. Let's say the characters are animals. And so you have animals as characters. And maybe the first scene is, you know, the little mouse frolicking through the, the garden, sniffing the flowers and having the animal time. Then the second scene is of, him overhearing these two adults who are going to tear down the garden to make way for new buildings or new houses instead. And so, of course, this mouse is very upset. And so he calls to order all his animal friends and they're going to have this mutiny, you know, and they're going to help save this garden. And the kid understands that and he sees that there's problems and he sees that he, they're going to solve it and they understand it at that base level. 
but the adult might understand lots of things. You may be able to put in lots of you know, passages of scripture and other concepts like taking care of the earth or uh, conservation or recycling or something where you want, they, you can understand that. So the, the child understands that, you know, the garden's going to be destroyed. The animals are going to come save it. They understand that at that basic level, but the adults may understand it at a more higher level of it's important that we take care of our earth. You know, recycling may help us to do that, let's say. So there's that multi-layered concept of books where both parent and child will get uh, in a rewarding experience out of it. And then, of course, that bond develops through them as they're reading. But when you can provide something for the adult as well as the child, then you've, you've hit the jackpot there, I think. Oh, absolutely. I'm part of a professional children's theater, and we've been traveling for over 20 some odd years. And that's one of the things that we do when we do all of our script writing is we always include something for the adults in the audience. They get a kick out of it because, oh, they got that. So it makes it where they're having as good of a time as the children. We call ourselves edutainers, educational entertainers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. I find that children's books are the same. There are some cartoons, not many today, but there are some that they will draw in the adults and I want, you know, the wholesome ones. There's, as I said, not a lot of them, but I do like it where I can sit down and watch and go, oh, you know, the kid is no way going to get that. But I really like how they've divided this out because they know an adult is watching. And in this case, an adult is part of the reading as well. Yeah. And I think that's very forward thinking, feeding the need of everyone involved in the reading process. These are great tips, great tips. Here's my third one. What about seasoned writers? We have seasoned writers. Maybe they're doing fiction or they're doing nonfiction, and now they're considering a change of genres, and they're looking at writing for children. What suggestions um, do you have yeah. for them to get started? Yeah, that's great. Um, and I would say I'm going to go with the first two things I've said previously, which is to start with that one scene. Think about a memory that you have, an event, or an overall arching concept that you want to teach about grief or pain or forgiveness or redemption or whatever that is, that overarching concept, and then start from there. So have, make sure you have an idea or a concept of what you want to write about and then map it out or outline it if that's helpful to you. And then the second is to, again, evoke those senses. When you have that scene, we don't want passive writing. We want to hear it, see it, smell it, feel it. Think about hooks of writing. Any good first scene of a novel that's going to grip you is going to be one in which it's not going to be passive writing. It's going to be a writing that, that kind of holds you tightly and never lets you go. And that's the thing that makes you keep turning those pages. And that's the same for adults as it is for children. Uh, the third, again, is to know your audience. If you don't know, if you're not writing to your audience, you're writing to no one. If it's ages four to eight, make sure your vocab is appropriate to four to eight-year-olds. And if you don't know that, if you're not sure if your vocabulary is fit for a four to eight-year-old, ask one. There's plenty of them around. I'm sure your church will have plenty of four to eight-year-olds and you can go up to them and read the book and ask them if they understand what's going on and ask them to engage with you. And you can even ask them, say, do you like this story? What else would you like to see? What else would you like to, to experience? They'll be honest and they'll tell you. They're, they're your best critics. And they're your best beta readers when it comes to writing for children. They're going to tell you if it's boring, they're going to, you're going to see it in their face pretty quickly. So make sure you know what's, what's good for them. 
And obviously, the simpler, the better. The, the younger, of course, you want it more simplistic. And if they're older, then of course, you can flesh out concepts more and be a little more wordy with that. Sure. The fourth is just to be real. Uh, kids like books that they can relate to on some level. And we do too as people. You know, if you think about the, the movies and television shows and things that you watch, and even the, you know, the, the books that you read, if you love novels, uh, there's something about those characters that you love the most, whether it's the redemptive quality, where it's a villain who turns into a hero, or it's, um, you know, or it's the lovable hero. It's something about those characters that that reader sees with it, within himself or herself that they love the most. And that's what you're, you're kind of tricking on. So you have to know um, who they are and you have to be real. And you have to know yourself too. I think as writers, we have to be really self-aware and we really have to try to do the very best we can to make sure we're as emotionally healthy as we can be before we can ever put pen to paper. Like if we have deep emotional issues that we haven't dealt with, it's going to come out on the paper somewhere. And you don't want to put your reader through that. You want to make sure, and especially as Christians, we have the love of Christ and the redemptive work um, of him. And we get to be the storytellers of that work. So we have to make sure we've he's done that work within us first before we can write about it. So, you know, think about what the Bible has to say about the topic that you're covering. Um, you know, consult scripture when you're tra- we're tackling a tough topic. And then write about those topics that you know personally. People can smell inauthenticity a mile away in today's day and age, children are no different. They'll probably pick it up much more quickly. And if you're writing about something just because you think you're going to make a buck, if you have some sort of agenda with it, then there's, they're going to, they're going to see that they're going to feel that. But when you're real with yourself and you're like, okay, this is the journey that I've been on. And this is the concept. Okay. I really understand the nature of mercy because of this tough season that I've been a part of Write about that. And people will take that journey with you. And they'll ask us to kind of look at the world. So much of our world is our writing prompts. Uh, we don't need to buy a book for a writing prompt. There's stuff all around us that we just have to open our eyes and see. I mean, think about the red balloon that's floating in the sky when you're you're you know walking in the park or a cool breeze. What does that feel like? You know, what's a child feel like when the wind picks up? Um, you know, people watch uh, people watch at a coffee shop, inside or outside. Uh, ice cream. Go get ice. Give an excuse to get some ice cream and sit at a bench and watch people and see what they're doing and then write about what you're seeing. If you're at work and people are talking about a certain thing at the water cooler, we'll write about it. You use that as fodder to start writing. Um, you know, you can't edit a blank page. And it, whatever's hmm. on that page is, is what God can use to shape and mold, but he can't use it if you're not willing to do it. And we have to know where those things are and be willing to do that. And I always say there's a fine line between, and especially for children, there's a fine line between being storytellers and being truth tellers in terms of um, you know, how honest you want to be in your writing. Obviously, for novelists or, or you know, nonfiction writers, they can be more honest. With kids, you have to be a little more guarded. But I always say that the more honest you can be with, uh, especially with kids, the better off you're going to be because, number one, they can relate to you and they're going to appreciate that honesty and they're going to want to take that journey with you as a writer. But, you know, again, too, it's if God can use that to take it in shape and it's going to be not only a benefit to them, but to you too. But we have to take that that chance and write. And again, in these times that we live, there's no better time to be a writer. There's no better time to be a published writer in terms of how you get published, whether it's through self-publishing or traditional publishing or, or a hybrid method, uh, whatever you know you choose to do with that. There's no better time to do that. And there's no more important time, no more important need than it is for people like us um, who want to communicate the gospel um, and to communicate God's hope and redemption for the world, especially to kids. Beautiful. Well, you've given us so much to think about, and you actually have more for us. And folks, I'm going to let you know, 
in the show notes today, you're going to find 10 tips for writers of children's books. And it's going to be an extension of what you've heard Michelle talk about today. I'm also going to encourage you to go to Michelle's website, check it out, michellelazurek.com, L-A-Z-U-R-E-K, and Michelle is two L's, so M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-L-A-Z-U-R-E-K.com in the show notes as well. And while you're there, make sure you download our monthly writing tips and soul care for writers that's available. We change it up every single month. Michelle, it has been great having you here with us on Your Best Writing Life. Thank you so very, very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Linda. Children need to have well-written, well-purposed books. It does impact generations. I'm so grateful that this is one thing that God led you to do, Michelle, and for you to be able to come on and share it with us, share your passion and also to give us practical insight into how we can do it ourselves, if this is what God is leading us to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to subscribe. Give us a rating and a review, because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on your best writing life.